everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Be the Flame, Where Fire and Magic Meet. I am your host, Amy Barilla. I hope this week finds each of you healthy, wealthy, and wise. As you'll remember, at the top of each episode, we do a little bit of a grounding and centering exercise. This helps connect all of us together and help open up and activate this sacred healing space. So what I'd like to ask each of you to do right now is just kind of sit comfortably, settle in in your favorite chair, maybe you're resting on the sofa, or even if you're in bed, I'd like you to just kind of settle in, close your eyes, and I'd like you to put your hand over the center of your chest. And that beat that's coming from your heart chamber is your life force energy. It is your divine purpose. You are that divine spark. And when you're ready, I'd like you to recite the following mantra, always I rise. Affirmations are very important and they are an opportunity for us to shift our energy and vibration. And we do, we always rise no matter what we have going on in each of our lives because we are that flame, we are that fire and magic, okay? And when you're ready, I'd like to ask each of you to draw in a nice deep breath, inhalation through the nose and exhalation, push it out through the mouth. And now our sacred healing space is activated. I love when we can have amazing guests on the show. And I'm sitting here next to my co-host, Randy Stearns. Randy, would you like to say hi to everybody? Hi. Hi. How are you doing this week? I'm good. How are you? Magical. Thank you. (laughs) And this week we have a really fantastic guest. I had the pleasure of meeting Lauren Kendrick just over a year ago now. Hard to believe a year has gone so quickly. And Lauren is a published author, and she talks about all things connected to body image acceptance and self-love. So Lauren, I'd like to welcome you to Be The Flame. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about all this great content today. And, you know, when we met, we had a brief meeting just over a year ago now, and I knew right away when Randy mentioned that you two were friends and the work that you were doing in the world regarding body image and self-love and acceptance of these vessels that we're in that one day we would do an episode together and here we are. And can you tell the audience a little bit about what it is that you do when it comes to working with women and body image acceptance? Yeah, so I empower women to work on healing their relationship with food, with their bodies and with themselves through the use of a lot of tools from mindset to daily actions. And I do this through my podcast, which is now called Life Talks with Lauren, formerly the Body Acceptance Podcast, and through newly writing books. So last year I wrote and self-published my first book called Body Acceptance, and I'm working on a second book on the topic of self-love. And it's so important. We live in a world where we're so conditioned as women by what society thinks is acceptable or perfect or beautiful or, and you know, this hits home for me on so many levels because body image is so, it's a trigger for so many women. I know it's a trigger for me and my relationship with food. And it wasn't until I went through some therapy about a year or so ago where I really understood the fact that I may not have a specific eating disorder, but they now label it like a spectrum of disorders under one umbrella. 
And for me specifically, it was if if I see almonds in a bag, I might take three or four almonds out and eat those. And then that's like, okay, I can't have any more. Or if I have a hamburger, maybe I'll eat a part of the burger, but I won't eat the rest of it. Because if I look at an empty plate, that means I've overeaten. So I know still if I am out to eat or if I'm eating at somebody's home or even if I'm at home eating, I will not clean a plate still to this day. I will leave a little bite of something because my brain says, okay, you've left some food on the table, so now you haven't overeaten, which means I won't gain weight or, you know, my clothes will still fit me or how will I look if I'm moving about the world? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. I think that we all fall on some sort of spectrum, like you said, of disordered eating tendencies. And it's normalized in our society, especially as there are so many people out there claiming to be experts who know the exact way that everyone should eat. And, you know, we've been conditioned to believe these false truths really about what it looks like to nourish our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so from a young age, we've been taught to not trust ourselves with food. And for everybody that looks different, you know, I know for you, you said it's difficult for you to empty your plate because of the reasons, you know, the things that you feel about that. For many people that can also look the opposite way. I don't know if you have heard of the clean plate club where when you're growing up, you're taught to eat everything on your plate. So I think we all come to this conversation being able to relate in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's a generational thing too. I didn't really grow up with the clean plate club. That wasn't a thing between myself and my mom, Mm -hmm. but I know in larger families, that was a thing because, you know, when you had a lot of mouths to feed, Parents didn't want to look out at the dinner table and see, you know, food because in their mind that was being wasted. And what does money grow on trees? And um, we have to work real hard to put food on the table. So I can see where that comes into play. But how do you feel things are going now in terms of a woman's relationship with her body image and nourishing herself? Because we're seeing a lot of things in print media and on uh, commercials and things where there are different body types now. And you never used to really see that before. And I think that's wonderful. Speaking from someone in the depths of it, who I think trends is probably the correct word because throughout the generations and years, there have been different trends of what body type is acceptable. And that's kind of been how we've gauged how we feel about certain bodies And what's beautiful about the time that we're living in now is that we're seeing more diverse bodies being represented. And so what I'm seeing on, I really see surprisingly a lot of this on TikTok. There's a lot of talk of if you can't find the representation, then be the representation and being more accepting. Along with that, there still is a lot of bullying happening in these spaces and I think that's why it's so important that we practice what is body acceptance, which means that we learn that, yes, there are realities of how people are going to relate to our bodies, how we're going to relate to our own bodies. It's not going to look perfect all the time, but the key is that we can find peace within ourselves and our own bodies, that 
we recognize no matter what we look like on the outside, no matter our health status, all of that combined that we are still worthy. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great point that she brings up, don't you, Randy? Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's, it's such an ongoing cycle that I feel I've gone through. And when I start to get to a place where I'm like, okay, well, maybe the voice in my head isn't talking as loud as it once was. But then, you know, I might look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. I might have to go back to those four almonds or, you know, just eating a cracker or two. So I, I think it's an ongoing thing for so many of us. And I think that the older we get, and I know we talked about this before we started recording, there's a generation between us, yet there's a lot of similarities in the thoughts and the feelings that we go through. I really do. Yes. And and also, too, a 50-year-old today is not the same 50-year-old of when my mom turned 50, let's just say. I don't think that she had those set of issues. Uh, let's see, she's 75, so 25 years ago. I don't ever recall that being a thing. You know, and I do believe that as the generations progress and there's more technology and more media centered around it, it's becoming a louder thing for us that we have to address. Absolutely. I think about that all the time of I can find so much peace within my body when I'm at home and it's just me. And then all of a sudden, say somebody snaps a picture of me or I have to film a video for social media. And I find myself spiraling all of a sudden. And I'm like, how can that be? I do this work, you know, I should be the one who is ultimately healed. But just like you said, Amy, there really is no arrival. And that's the misconception that we're taught when we're given this ideal body is that if you just eat perfectly, if you just exercise this way, if you do everything perfectly correct, you're going to arrive to this place where then everything else in your life is going to fall into place. Everything's going to be great. And you're, you'll have arrived. Mm -hmm. And for me, after experiencing years and years of disordered eating behaviors and becoming thinner and more fit, I was like, I'm still not arriving. I, I just don't understand. I feel like I'm getting more and more out of touch with myself. And so through surrendering and choosing to do the work of body acceptance, I'm now seeing that it's given me the freedom now to say that, yes, I don't always love the way that I look. My image is not always perfect, but that doesn't matter because I'm still going to treat myself with respect. I'm still going to treat my body well. What is like one of the main things in the people that you've worked with over the course of time? Is there a consistency when it comes to body image, the things that are, you know, is there like a pattern that you're seeing? Do you mean specifically in like how they relate to their bodies yes. or yes, as in like size or? Yeah. I mean, you know, are they like, you know, if I only looked like this person or do they compare themselves when they're comparing themselves, are they comparing themselves perhaps to a celebrity or Sometimes their their body is more diverse than other members of the family and they want to be re resembling more like their sister or their cousin or their auntie or whatever. Is there a pattern that you've seen over the course of time? 
Yes. And actually it just, as I said before, just depends on what trend is in fashion mm-hmm. at that time. So I remember growing up being young in the nineties, thinness was the thing to aspire to. So everyone wanted to be stick thin. Now we're going actually more towards, so if you want to stay a celebrity, we're going toward the Kardashian. So while it's becoming more acceptable to be thick, you're still expected to have that thickness in all of the right places in your boobs and your booty. And then you're supposed to have a small waist. So people, a lot of people are undergoing surgery to you know, correct that and change their body composition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the example of the Kardashians, and this isn't to bash them because that's not what I'm doing, they've also made modifications to their faces. So it ends up being like a, a spiral, I think, kind of like chasing the dragon. <laughs> you know, it's like, what when is enough enough? I really wanted to say something about, um, Lauren, how you show up in the world. And I have always loved how raw and real you are about your own struggle, because I feel like, well, for one thing, not that this matters very much, but you're a very beautiful woman, just really pretty. And to see someone so beautiful feeling that way, I think says a lot to the rest of us too, that it doesn't matter how pretty you are. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are or how beautiful people think you are. You can still feel that way. And we all struggle with it. And I just appreciate so much that your honesty about it, because I think it'd be really easy for you to hide it and never talk about it and just show this confidence. And I know that's part of the work you do too, but I just really love that about you because I feel like you're setting a really good example for everyone to have a discussion about it and be more aware mm-hmm. of what we do to ourselves. Because the way it is for women, nothing we do is right or good enough. Whatever it is we're doing, we're too thin. We're too fat. We eat too much. We don't eat enough. We can't win. We cannot win. Well, I would consider you a colleague in the fact that the work that you're putting out into the world is literally a divine spark. You are the divine spark, but it is healing. And although we're not practicing the same healing modality, I think the end result is just the same. The space that you hold for that person so that that person can unburden themselves to someone who is going to listen with a non-judgmental ear and who says, I get you, I get you. It's no different than having a woman in my office who's coming for healing work. But a lot of the times the conversation ends up going in the direction that they're not liking how they look that they're struggling with body image issues. I got to get back to the gym. You know, I had a baby and I got to get this baby weight off and how they're perceiving themselves. And they're really not giving themselves the acceptance or the self-love either. And that's that's hard as, as a practitioner. And I'm sure yourself hearing the women who have shared those experiences with you, it's, it's hard. It's heavy on the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we both want to pick up our magic wands and just, you know, wave it over them and take all that pain away from them. But we know that's not possible. Yeah, and it's rooted so deeply to our body image issues start from, I think, when we realize that we have a body and that it's meant to be or we're taught that it's meant to be judged. And so many women feel that their body is the thing that needs to be fixed before they can move on to anything else. So if you don't do the healing around body image and around your body, then you're likely going to be stuck in that place for a long time. I know that I was, I've spoken to 
a lot of women, even women in their 50s who said, I wish I had this work a long time ago because I feel like it's held me back for so many years. Mm -hmm. Tell me or tell us the audience the steps that are necessary to kickstart that process or that journey. And like you said earlier, there there is no real arrival. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not like, okay, I'm going to start today and in six weeks I'm going to be at that arrival point. It is an ongoing, evolving process. What would you suggest to someone like myself or someone else listening out there today that feels that this resonates so deeply? What steps can they do to start that process to heal? I would say it really begins with awareness of how your relationship with food and your body is impacting your life. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not aware of maybe what areas that you need support in, then you're not going to know how to seek that support and where. And there really is no, I think what makes this work a little bit more complicated is there is no like one path, one size fits all. And so it just depends on where you are. And so for me, it was a matter of, I was very obsessive around food and exercise and I was losing my life from that. Yeah. So I would say begin with awareness and then start changing the way that you speak to yourself and the way that you relate. And then along with that, it's, you know, you want to kind of work with body image and I feel like I'm saying so much at once that it might be overwhelming for someone just starting. No, does this make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. And I actually, I outlined this in my book because I did feel that there is so much, so many facets of body acceptance. And so, yeah, so it really just begins with intention. I would say begin with intention. Mm -hmm. But I think you hit the nail on the head. It's about awareness to start. Because once we bring that to the frontal point of our consciousness, And it doesn't matter what it is, body image, self-acceptance and self-love or anything else. The moment we bring it to the front of our consciousness, that really creates an ignition for that to begin. And I think that's really, really important. And yes, awareness and intention. You know, what is it that I'm seeking from this journey? What is it that I want to accomplish? What is it that I want to embrace? And I think embrace is a really powerful word when it comes to loving our bodies. It's almost like we're giving ourselves a hug every day that we're not saying it's not going to be hard, but I'm okay where I'm at. And in the moments that I'm not okay, I can give myself grace for feeling that way. Yeah. Cause we do get so hard on ourselves. I know yeah, I so do. I do. I'm terribly hard on myself and I cannot understand it. You know, I get upset with myself, but then I have to give myself a pause and have some grace that I'm not going to deny the feelings that I'm having. And maybe I need to explore that a little bit deeper, like you said, to get to that root cause. Yeah. We need to approach our relationship with ourselves the same way that we would approach it with somebody else that we love. We give space for feelings to be there. It's not about toxic positivity and pushing everything that you're feeling down. It's about pulling it to the surface and saying, I know that you feel this way, but you're still lovable no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I'm here with you as you're going through this. And I understand why you feel the way that you do. And we can heal and we can move forward. Mm -hmm. And that's where we can carve out and create those little mini action moves or those micro moves as I refer to them. And 
And intention is a micro move. Awareness is a micro move. There's lots of them that we can implement day to day in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? I, yeah, completely agree. And that's the key too, is to do those micro things and to start small and not expect that you're going to overhaul everything at once and that your healing journey is going to take a specific amount of time. It's a lifetime journey. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that as mothers, for the, for the mothers out there who are raising daughters, that this starts early before it gets a little bit out of hand. The bullying and, you know, a young girl's, um, not obsession, but they get fixated on what's happening on social media and the programming that they're exposed to and watching and the YouTubing that they're doing, that they can fall into that as well at such a young age. Yeah. And I always tell mothers of girls to, if to say, I always say that if you can't find a reason to heal your relationship with yourself for your own sake, do it for your daughter, because she's only going to be as healed as you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know we have primarily women who are part of our community and audience, but I don't want to dismiss any men who might be watching this and might be participating in this series, yours and mine, and they can identify with that too, because spectrum disordered eating is not just for women. It happens in the lives of men too. Oh, absolutely. And I feel that that is also, you know, unfortunately men don't get as much support around this topic as women do. I personally, again, gear my work toward women because I can understand them more and I've been through it. But I've also been close to men who struggle with a lot of things that we would be surprised as women that men do struggle with. Mm-hmm. You know, there are standards that they're held to that they're supposed to be muscular and fit and strong. So, yeah, you know, this work is just as important for men as it is for women. Right. So it's not necessarily gender specific. Well, self-love is for everybody. Exactly. Too. I mean, there's the body image part, but the self-love part if, even if you don't have body image issues, you still have that you need self-love. Mm-hmm. Did you want to ask Lauren anything? Is there something you wanted to um, share with the audience regarding? I, well, I wanted to share her raw honesty and how much she shares of herself, and I did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the one thing I really thought how I wanted to tell people about how much I admired you for that. So, yeah, yeah you know. People can, people can look at us and say, oh, wow, she's got, you know, this sense of style and fashion and her hair and her makeup and she looks so put together, but we really don't know what's happening underneath the surface of someone. And I've always said, I don't have my shit together and I will fully admit that. I don't come to the table with it all together all the time. And part of me is grateful for that because that's how I learn and grow. So for the people who think that someone like yourself or someone like myself, when I come and and we hang out together and we have these sacred conversations, I'm okay admitting where I fall short sometimes. Yeah. Because that makes us authentic, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think it's so important too, because you can also, you can see people be dismissive and say like, well, it must be nice. If I looked like you, I would you know, everything in my life would be great. So to see people humanize the fact that like, hey, we're all going through this shared experience together. doesn't matter what you look like. And some people use makeup and use style to cover up their insecurities. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it doesn't mean much unless we can all be honest about what we're going through. Yeah. I never really had body image issues growing up. I didn't really have that until after I had a kid and I was trying to get my body back and I found out it took me years because I didn't know I had an autoimmune and that affected me because I, no matter what I did, I was struggling with my weight or what I looked like. But I still even thought to myself, well, I have to accept myself for who I am now. And even now, I think I have struggled with that now that I'm getting older. And I still try to come to that place of if I at least focus on being healthy and not worry about so much what I look like. Because, you know, as an actress, when I would go to auditions, I would think to myself, this is as good as I can look. I'm not going to get taller. Like I can wear the heels, but I can't get taller. I'm going to always have green eyes. I mean, yeah, I could change my eyes, but this is what I look like. And this, I'm going to do the best that I can. And that's all. And if they don't want me, then that's how it is. And I think that's an important thing to tell ourselves too, that this is who we are. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think a lot of times, you know, people will use humor as a cover-up for what's really brewing underneath the surface. And, you know, if they're not happy in their own bodies, you know, women who might be... Um, curvier or extended sizes or plus sizes, they will use humor to cover up a lot of times, you know, the deeper things that they're feeling underneath the surface. I've seen that happen. Another thing too, that I want to bring up to you, Lauren, is that what I've had to put a squash to is people watching what I eat. Mm. That was a big thing for me. And Especially, you know, being out with friends or, you know, we're ordering takeout and it's like, oh, you know, oh, Amy's going to order that one taco. Well, yeah, I'm going to order that one taco, but you don't know what's happening in my head knowing that I'm going to eat one taco. Maybe I'd like to eat two, but if I eat two, what does that mean? That means I'm overeating. So making comments like that to someone who has those things going on, spectrum disordered eating, is truly not helpful. No, and I think that's why boundaries are so important to set as well around what you're eating and even what you look like. Early on in my healing journey, I asked people to not comment on my body, the size of it or what I'm eating, because as I was learning to eat intuitively, learning intuitively or eating intuitively means that you're going to eat different things at different times. Like there is no, you're not on a diet plan or whatever. And so I would be out at a restaurant and say, my body was feeling a salad. I would choose to order a salad and people would say, oh, you're so good. You're so healthy. And I would say, no, I'm just doing what my body asked for in this moment, but follow me tomorrow and I might eat something different. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so helpful to set those boundaries and say, you know, hey, please don't make any judgments. I know that you mean well, but it's not helpful for me because, and you can even explain your mindset to people. Yeah, it's, and, and I think what happens for me is that, um, you know, now I feel like I'm put on display and there's a little bit of shaming behind that. You know what I mean? Even though they may have my best interest at heart, that's not how I'm processing it. So boundaries is really a good thing to bring up when you're going through that, when you're working through those things, those traumas, things that you wish to bring more acceptance and healing to when it comes to our bodies and our relationship with the food we put in our bodies. And they're not experts either. No, they're not experts and either. So I always think, you know what, offer the food to whoever and they decide if they want it or not. And that's the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we're not going to yeah, fix yeah. the person. No. 
And why yeah, would we want to? Exactly. I just think as a society, we need to get better at just worrying about ourselves and not worrying about other people. We need to get better at not commenting on what other people choose to do with their lives and choosing to be supportive, even if we think that we feel that they're doing something wrong. Right. One comment can really set somebody off. I remember my mom once saying something about my arms. I think I was in my 20s. And because of what she said, I like did not show off my arms for years. And then later my body changed a little. And then my mother commented that I was getting too thin. And I was like, lady. Yeah. <laughs> I actually asked her to never comment on my body. Yeah. <laughs> and our relationship improved yeah. quite a bit after that. But my point is, is that commenting on people's eating, on their body, unless you're saying, wow, that looks really nice on you, or wow, you look really happy today, or something like that, you're, you have a beautiful smile. These things are, they're, they don't always hit people the way you think they're going to. You might be concerned and it's from a good place, but that isn't how it lands on, on somebody, especially, I think, for people who are struggling with what they look like. Something you say could stick with somebody for a very long time, mm -hmm. and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Because the body keeps the score always. And so the minute that person hears those words and receives that data in their body, it's it's like a computer. We store it. I could think of something that, you know, my mom or somebody else might have said to me 20 years ago. And it's still as fresh right now as it was when it was spoken. So yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you shared that. Randy. I think it's important. I want people to not do that to each other. Even you positive praise, like praising weight loss, which is again, normalized in our society. But I've heard so many stories of someone being complimented on their weight loss. And they're like, I just got out of the hospital after being sick for months and months. Yeah. Or yeah. people commenting when you don't, like you're not feeling well. So that's why you're not eating. And then they comment about you not eating. It's like, I didn't really have a choice about that. Yeah. That was not what yeah. I would have chosen for myself. No. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, but you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that perpetuates the idea that it's good, that thinness is more important than our health and our happiness and vitality. So then we're willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means harming our body just for the sake of thinness, because on the outside, we get congratulations. great conversation today. I'm glad we finally really had it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was long overdue. I think it's a topic that, you know, so many women walk around with and feeling, you know, body shamed with how they look, what they're putting in their bodies. And I think once this episode airs, there's going to be a lot of people who can identify with this. And we've been wanting to have Lauren on for a year, but you moved to Japan. And so it was right when we were talking about having you on, and we knew that we would probably have to do this long distance. So I'm glad we could finally have you. Yeah, it was great. Me too. Yeah. yeah this has been awesome. You guys did such a great job in uh, facilitating this conversation, Amy. I think you brought up some really amazing points, and I appreciate you, Randy, for everything that you said and your compliments too toward me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. I mean, you're doing some important work. And, you know, my wish for you is that you continue to rise and put out all this much needed content for women so that they can really start to do some intense work and have that grace and space to just 
you know, have that acceptance. And it's going to take time and it's not going to be easy. A lot of it's going to be really hard, but I think it's worth it when it's all said and done. Oh, absolutely. I think it is way more worth it when you dig deep and you do the work and you know that you're pulling up from the root instead of just covering it with a Band-Aid. And it just, yeah, it's tough in the moment. And that's why it's so important to seek support, but it always feels worth it. It is worth it. Lauren, if people would like to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? The best way is on Instagram. I'm at Lauren M. Kendrick. And in the link in my bio, you'll find the links to my book and my podcast. That's wonderful. And how often do you put out uh, your podcast? Is that weekly, bi-monthly? It usually is weekly. I'm on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but usually it's weekly. So there's plenty of episodes. I think I'm on episode 130 or around there. So there's plenty of content there too. That's wonderful. Ready to go. Yeah. I'd love to have people listening today, find out how they can connect with you so they can start liking and subscribing and commenting and sharing your podcast as well. So we can keep putting that content out into the matrix. And you'll be able to find Lauren's information in our show notes. In the show notes as well. Oh, that's great. So yeah, yeah. So for those of you who would like to connect with me, my main website is amybarilla.com. Unfortunately, I was hacked on Instagram last week and some not so nice little human somewhere out in the matrix decided to hack me. So I'm working on reactivating my one and only page, which has been Amy Barilla Pediatrics for years. You can find episodes of Be the Flame wherever you catch a really great podcast. I would super appreciate you liking and sharing and subscribing and sending us a comment. And you can always send questions and kind of your two cents on on what you'd like to hear in the future, because we love hearing your comments on, on what we can do moving forward. I appreciate everybody out in our listening audience today for tuning in and welcoming Lauren. And I appreciate you getting up early because I know it's the next day in Japan (laughs) and it's morning time still, I think over there. 9.30 a.m. 9.30 a.m. Wonderful. And so as we get ready to close out this divine sacred healing space, I want to give my heartfelt gratitude to Lauren for all the stuff that she does in the world. I also want to remind each of you listening that your feet to the fire for this upcoming week is, you know, carving out a micro move on where you might be walking around with a little heavier heart on how you view yourself and view your your image of your body and or your relationship with the food that you're putting in your body and how can you carve out an opportunity to give yourself some space and grace because We are perfectly imperfect. And as I always say to you at the end of each episode, not only can we do hard things, but our magic, your magic is non-negotiable. So no one on this planet has the right to diminish your worth and the magic that you provide to this planet because it's never placed on the table for negotiation. So when you hear a comment from someone else that may not be so helpful or kind, or you might have that inner dialogue in your head, just remember my magic is non-negotiable and that'll reset you. It may only reset you for a minute. It may reset you for five minutes, but it's always available to you to use. Okay, so Lauren, once again, as we close out, I'd like to thank you. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Yes, thank and you so much. Yeah, and when you put out your next book, you know, down the road, we'd love to have you back as a guest so we can talk about that as well. So I hope you would be open to that. Absolutely, I would love that. 
All right. So as we close out, one final reminder. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Be the Flame Where Fire and Magic Meet. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Remember, I love you. I see you and always, always. And your magic is non-negotiable. Until we hang out again, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.